book six chapter ten of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter ten it was about this time that is to say immediately after the outbreak of smallpox was over and in the height of the summer that mr and lady adeline hamilton wells returned from a prolonged absence abroad and settled themselves for a few months at hamilton house i happened to be in london when they arrived and saw them there as they passed through lady adeline made particular inquiries about evadne i don't think you any of you understand that girl she said she is shy and should be set going she requires to be induced to come forward to do her share of the work of the world but instead of helping her everybody lets her alone to mope in luxurious idleness at as you like it she is never idle i protested i know what you mean lady adeline answered she sits and sews but that is idle trifling for a woman of her capacity she was out of health and good for nothing when i saw her last with mrs orton Begg in paris and therefore i held my peace but now i mean to take her out of herself and show her her mistake i hope you will be able to do so i said and i was not speaking ironically but all the same i scarcely expected that she would succeed the day after my return home however which was only a week later i called at hamilton house and it seemed to me then that she had already made a very good beginning it was a brilliant afternoon and i had walked through the fields from fountain towers and found lady adeline alone for the moment sitting out on the terrace under an awning somewhat overcome by the heat you have arrived at an acceptable time as you always do she said in her decided kindly way i am enjoying a brief period of repose before the racket begins again and i invite you to share it the racket i inquired no the repose she replied angelica is staying here and evadne mrs cahoon and racket i ejaculated well it is difficult to associate the two ideas i confess she answered but you will see for yourself angelica makes the racket of course but evadne enjoys it i went to as you like it as soon as i could without waiting for her to call upon me and i found her just as you had led me to expect all staid propriety and precision hiding deep dejection beneath an affectation of calm content at least that was my interpretation of her attitude and inclined to be stiff with me but i approached her as her mother's oldest and dearest friend and she softened at once and you brought her here that is quite the proper word for it she rejoined i just brought her i insisted upon her coming i gave her no choice and i also asked colonel cahoon but he declined he said he thought evadne would be all the better for getting away from home and i agreed with him he comes over however occasionally and they seem to be very good friends i don't dislike him at all this was said tentatively but i did not care to discuss colonel cahoon and therefore to change the subject i asked lady adeline how she found angelica very much improved in every way she answered 
the happiest understanding has come to exist between herself and her husband since that dreadful occurrence they are simply inseparable she said to me the other day that her only chance of ever showing to any advantage at all would be against the quiet background of her husband's unobtrusive goodness and i think myself that a great many people would never have believed in her if he had not all her faults are so apparent alas while the very real and earnest purpose of her life is so seldom seen she has been working very hard lately i believe yes lady adeline answered but i am thankful to say she has set up a private secretary and who do you think it is our dear good mr ellis i am heartily glad to hear of it i said both for his sake and hers yes she agreed it did not seem right that he should ever go away from amongst us and you know how we all felt the severance after diablo went into the service and there seemed no help for it as his occupation was over i am afraid poor fellow his experiences since he left us have been anything but happy all that is over now however and it does seem so natural to have him about again he must make an admirable secretary i said admirable she agreed in every way for i don't think angelica would ever have got on quite so well without anybody else he was always able to make her respect him and now the habit is confirmed so that he has more influence with her for good than almost anybody else a restraining influence you know her great fault still is impatience she thinks everything should be put right the moment she perceives it to be wrong and would raise revolutions if she were not restrained it is always difficult to make her believe that evolution if slower is surer but here they are as lady adeline spoke angelica accompanied by mr kilroy and mr ellis came out of the plantation to the left of the terrace upon which we were sitting and walked across the lawn toward us while at the same time diablo and evadne came round the corner of the house from the opposite direction and went to meet them evadne carried a parasol but wore neither hat nor gloves she looked very happy listening to diablo's chatter angelica carried a fishing-rod and i thought as she approached that i had never seen a more splendid specimen of hardy healthy vigorous young womanhood evadne looked sickly beside her and drooping like a pale and fragile flower in want of water the contrast must have struck lady adeline also for presently she observed evadne was as strong as angelica once do you suppose her health has been permanently injured by that horrid maltese fever no i said positively if she would give up sewing and take a fishing-rod and go out with angelica in a sensible dress like that she would be as strong as ever in six months but i fancy she would be shocked by the bare suggestion angelica hugged diablo heartily when they met and then being the taller of the two she put her arm round his neck and all three strolled slowly on toward us mr ellis and mr kilroy having already come up on to the terrace and sat down while greeting the two latter i lost sight of the heavenly twins and when i looked at them again something had evidently gone wrong angelica stood leaning on her rod berating diavolo who was answering with animation while evadne looked from one to the other in amazement 
as the strange good child looks at the strange naughty ones whatever the difference was it was soon over and then they came on again talking and walking briskly followed by four dogs i am vulgar decidedly at times angelica acknowledged as she came up the steps i shouldn't be half so amusing if i were not she held out her hand to me and then threw herself into the only unoccupied chair on the terrace but instantly jumped up again i beg your pardon evadne she said these are my society manners when i am on the platform or otherwise engaged in unwomanly pursuits outside the sphere i have to be more considerate some more chairs were brought out one of which diablo placed beside me this is for you he said to evadne i know you like to be near the dawn evadne flushed crimson did you ever hear that story angelica asked me evadne's embarrassment visibly increased angelica don't tell it she remonstrated it isn't fair angelica laughed when evadne first came here she proceeded she sat next to you at dinner one night and didn't know who you were but it seems you made such a profound and favorable impression upon her that afterward she had the curiosity to ask when she learnt that you were a doctor a doctor she exclaimed in surprise he is more like a don than a doctor and you have been don to her intimates ever since well i feel flattered i said i feel as if i ought to apologize if adney began only i meant no disrespect my dear angelica interposed he is delighted to be distinguished by you in any way but by the pricking of my thumbs something wicked and colonel cahoon came out on to the terrace through the drawing-room behind us he shook hands with us all his wife included and then sat down i say evadne diavolo began my dear boy said lady adeline you mustn't call mrs cahoon by her christian name christian jeered diavolo now that is a good one there's nothing christian about evadne we looked her up in the dictionary ages ago didn't we angelica the name means well-pleasing one as nearly as possible and it suits her sometimes evadne classical evadne was noted for her devotion to her husband and distinguished herself finally on his funeral hire she expired there we all groaned aloud it was a somewhat theatrical exit i confess diavolo pursued but i say angelica wouldn't it be fun to burn the colonel and see evadne do settee on his body only i doubt if she would he turned to evadne mrs cahoon he began ceremoniously may i have the honor of calling you by your heathen name as in the days beyond recalling when you are good she answered ugh he exclaimed i should have had more respect for your honesty if you said no at once and it is very absurd of you too evadne because you know you are going to marry me when colonel cahoon is promoted to regions of the bless she would have married me first only you stole a march on me sir he added addressing colonel cahoon however i feel as if something were going to happen now at last there was a banshee wailing about my quarters in a minor key very flat last night she had come all the way from ireland to warn colonel cahoon and mistaken the house i suppose my dear we all looked round 
it was mr hamilton wells addressing lady adeline in his most precise manner he was standing in the open french window just behind us tapping one hand with the pince-nez he held in the other my dear the cat has five kittens my dear lady adeline exclaimed they have only just arrived and never mind them now she cried hurriedly but my dear you are anxious to know i don't want to know in the least she protested but only this morning you said oh that was upstairs she interrupted what difference does that make he wanted to know you don't mean to say you are anxious about the cat when you are upstairs and not anxious when you come down lady adeline sank back in her chair and resigned herself to a long altercation before it ended everybody else had disappeared and i saw no more of evadne on that occasion but during the next few weeks i had many opportunities of observing the wonderful way she was waking up under the influence of the heavenly twins they gave her no time for reflection it was the life of action against the life of thought and it suited her the ladies frequently made my house the object of an afternoon walk and stayed for tea lady adeline declared that the girls dragged her over because they wanted a new victim to torment with their superabundant animal spirits the superabundance was all angelica's i knew but still evadne was an accomplice and they neither of them spared me in those days they would rob my hothouses of the best fruits and flowers disarrange my books turn pictures they did not like with their faces to the wall drape my statues fantastically criticize what they called my absurd bachelor habits and gave me good advice on the subject of marriage lady adeline sitting by meanwhile aiding and abetting them with smiles although protesting that she would not allow them to make me the butt of their idle raillery evadne had a passion for the scent of course she crammed pockets sleeves shoes and the bosom of her dress with the yellow blossoms and i often found these fragrant tokens of her presence scattered about my house after she had been there once when we were all out walking together she stopped to pick some from a bush and as she was putting them into her bodice she made a remark which gave me pause to ponder you will want to know why i do that i suppose she said you will be looking for a motive for some secret spring of action the simple fact that i love the gorse won't satisfy you you would like to know why i love it when i first began to love it and anything else about it that might enable you to measure my feeling for it this was so exactly what i was in the habit of doing with regard to many matters that i could not say a word but what struck me as significant about the observation was the obvious fact gathered by inference that while i had been studying her she also had been studying me and i had never suspected it she walked on with angelica after she had spoken and i dropped behind with lady adeline your evadne and colonel cahoon's wife are two very different people i said the one is a lively girl the other a sad and bitter woman sad not bitter lady adeline corrected i have heard her say bitter things i maintained you may perhaps have heard her condemn wrong ones rather too emphatically lady adeline suggested but all this is only a phase she is in rather a deep groove at present but we shall be able to get her out of it i don't know i answered dubiously 
i don't think it is that exactly i believe there is some kind of warp in her mind i perceive it but can neither define nor account for it yet it is something morbid that makes her hold herself aloof she has never allowed anybody in the neighborhood to be intimate with her even i who have seen her oftener than anybody never feel that i know her really well that i could reckon upon what she would do in an emergency and i believe that there is something artificial in her attitude but why what is the explanation of all that is unusual about her lady adeline shook her head and was silent for some seconds then she said i once had a friend but her moral nature quite halted it was because she had lost her faith in men a woman who thinks that only women can be worthy is like a bird with a broken wing but i don't say that that is evadne's case at all since she came to us she has seemed to be much more like one of those marvellous casks of sherry out of which a dozen different wines are taken the flavour depends on the doctoring here under angelica's influence why she has filled your pocket with gorse blossoms it was true in taking out my handkerchief i had just scattered the flowers and so discovered that they were there then you give her credit for less individuality you think her more at the mercy of her surroundings than i do i said but before she could answer me evadne herself had joined us i suppose i was looking grave for she asked in a playful tone did he ever frolic lady adeline this solemn-seeming dawn was he always in earnest even on his mother's lap and occupied with weighty problems of life and death when other babes were wondering with wide open eyes at the irresponsible action of their own pink toes which made me reflect for if i were in the habit of being a dull bore myself it was no wonder that i seldom saw her looking lively the following week evadne went home and as soon as she was settled at as you like it she seemed to relapse once more into her former state of apathy i saw her day after day as i passed sitting sewing in the wide west window above the holly hedge and so long as she was left alone she seemed to be content but i began to notice at this time that any interruption at her favorite occupation did not please her the summer heat the scent of flowers streaming through open windows the song of birds the level landscape here vividly green with the upspringing aftermath their crimson and gold where the poppies gleamed amongst the ripening corn all such sweet sensuous influences she looked out upon lovingly and enjoyed them so long as she was left alone on hot afternoons diavolo would go and lie at her feet sometimes with a cushion under his head and him she tolerated but only i am sure because he always fell asleep i had to go to as you like it one day to transact some business with colonel Cahoon and when we had done he asked me to go up into the drawing-room with him come and i'll show you a pretty picture he said it was a pretty picture they had both fallen asleep on that occasion it was a torrid day outside but the deep bay where they were was cool and shady the windows were wide open the outside blinds were drawn down low enough to keep out the glare but not so far as to hide the view behind evadne was a stand of flowers and foliage plants diavolo was lying on the floor in his favorite attitude with a black satin cushion under his head and was with his slender figure refined features thick curly fair hair and fine transparent skin 
slightly flushed by the heat a perfect specimen of adolescent grace and beauty he looked like a young lover lying at the feet of his lady evadne was sitting in a low easy chair with a high back against which her head was resting half her face was concealed by a fan of white ostrich feathers which she held in her left hand and the moment i looked at her the haunting certainty of having seen her in exactly that position once before recurred to me she was looking well that afternoon her glossy dark brown hair showed bright as bronze against the satin background of the chair she was dressed in a gown of silver-gray cashmere lined with turquoise blue silk which showed between the folds cool colors of the best shade to set off the ivory whiteness of her skin colonel cahoon considered the group meditatively she keeps her looks he observed in an undertone and diavolo's catching her up i looked at him inquiringly she's six or eight years older than he is you know he explained but you wouldn't think it now i wondered what he had in his mind times are changing he proceeded now when i was a lad if a lady had liked me as well as evadne likes that boy i'd have taken advantage of her preference not if the lady had been of her stamp i said dryly well true for you he acknowledged but it isn't the lady only in this case it's that young sybarite himself he's as particular as she is he said the other day at mess it was a guest night and there was a big dinner on and somebody proposed wine and women for a toast but he wouldn't drink it oh spare me he said in that slow way he has something like his father's wine and women as you take them are things as coarse in the way of pleasure as pork and porter are for food we asked him then to give us his own ideas of pleasure but he said he didn't think anybody there was educated up to them even sufficiently to understand them and he wasn't joking altogether either colonel cahoon concluded at that same moment evadne opened her eyes wide and looked at us a second before she spoke but showed no other sign of surprise i am afraid i have been asleep she said rising deliberately and shaking hands with me across the prostrate diavolo do sit down she sank back into her own chair as she spoke and fanned a fly from diavolo's face i never knew anyone sleep so soundly she said looking down at him lovingly he rides out here nearly every day when he is not on duty simply for his siesta angelica is jealous i believe because he will not go to her he says there is no repose about angelica and that it is only here with me that he finds the dreamful ease he loves there was a sound of talking outside just then and a few minutes later angelica herself came in with her father oh you darling you are a pretty boy she exclaimed when she saw diavolo and then she went down on her knees beside him put her arms round his neck pulled him up and hugged him roughly an attention which he immediately resented ah i thought it was you he said opening his eyes good-bye sweet sleep good-bye then he sat up and turning his back to evadne coolly rested himself against her knee i suppose we can have tea now he said there's always something to look forward to papa dear touch the bell to save the colonel the trouble colonel cahoon laughed and rang it himself good-naturedly diavolo 
evadne exclaimed pushing him away i am not going to nurse a great boy like you well angelica must then he said changing his position so as to lean against his sister angelica laid her hand on his head and her face softened evadne used to like to nurse me he complained she's not nearly so nice since she's married i say angelica do you remember the wedding breakfast when we agreed to drink as much champagne as the bridegroom i swore i would never get drunk again and i never have faith said colonel cahoon there are some who'd like to be able to say the same thing some dogs had followed angelica in and had now to be turned out because evadne would not have dogs indoors she said she liked a good dog's character but could not bear the smell of him and how are the children mr hamilton wells asked affably when this diversion was over there are no children evadne exclaimed in surprise are there not indeed now that is singular he observed then he looked at me as if he were about to say something interesting but i hastily interposed i was afraid he was going to speculate about the natural history of the phenomenon which had just struck him as being singular he knew perfectly well that evadne had no children but he was subject or affected to be subject to moments of obliviousness in which he was wont to ask embarrassing questions the weather is quite tropical was the original observation i made mr hamilton wells felt if the parting of his smooth straight hair was exactly in the middle patted it on either side then shook back imaginary ruffles from his long white hands and interlaced his jewelled fingers on his lap you were never in the tropics i think you told me he said to evadne with exaggerated preciseness ah now i have been off and on several times the heat is very trying i knew a lady the wife of a colonial governor who used to be so overcome by it that she was obliged to undo all her things let them slip to the ground and step out of them leaving them looking like a great cheese she told me so herself i assure you and she was an exceedingly stout person the heavenly twins went into convulsions suddenly is that tea at last evadne asked colonel cahoon and i both gladly moved to make room for the servants who were bringing it in and the conversation was not resumed until they had withdrawn then angelica began i came to make a last appeal to you evadne i want to tell you about a poor girl oh don't break this lovely summer silence with tales of woe evadne exclaimed interrupting her i cannot do anything don't ask me you harrow my feelings to no purpose i will not listen it is not right that i should be forced to know well i think you are making a mistake evadne angelica replied don't you think so looking at me she is sacrificing herself to save herself she imagines she can secure her own peace of mind by refusing to know that there is a weary world of suffering close at hand which she should be helping to relieve suffering for others strengthens our own powers of endurance we lose them if we don't exercise them and that is the way you are sacrificing yourself to save yourself evadne when some big trouble of your own one of those which cannot be denied comes upon you it will crush you you will have lost the moral muscle you should be exercising now to keep it in good working order and develop it well for your own use when you require it 
it would not be worse for you to take a stimulant or a sedative to wind yourself up to an artificially pleasurable state when at any time you are not naturally cheerful and that is what a too great love of peace occasionally ends in evadne waved her ostrich feather fan backward and forward slowly and looked out of the window she would not even listen to this friendly counsel and i felt sure she was making a mistake i only saw her once again that summer under lady adeline's salutary influence it was a few days later and evadne was in an expansive mood she had been spending the day with lady adeline and the two had been for a drive together and had overtaken me on the road and picked me up on their way back to hamilton house i had been for a solitary ramble and was then returning to work but evadne said i must go back to tea with them for your own sake because it is a shame to waste a summer day in work a glorious summer day so evidently sent for our enjoyment the greatest pleasure in life is to be in perfect condition for the work one loves i answered but i was settling myself comfortably in the carriage as i spoke such is the consistency of man but indeed it was not very difficult to persuade me to idle that afternoon i had been inclining that way for weeks under the influence of the intoxicating heat doubtless and presently when i found myself comfortably seated on the wide stone terrace outside the great drawing-room at hamilton house under a shady awning looking down upon lawns vividly green and lovely gardens all aglow with colour and alive with perfume which is the soul of the flowers i yielded sensuous service to the hour and gave myself up to the enjoyment of it unreservedly mr hamilton wells was there making tea in the precisest manner and looking more puritanical than ever how to reconcile his coldly formal exterior with the interior from which emanated his choice of subjects in conversation is a matter which i have not yet had time to study although i am convinced that the solution of the problem would prove to be of great scientific value and importance i was not in the habit of thinking of him as either a man or a woman myself however but as a specimen of humanity broadly and domestically as a husband whom i always suspected of being a sharp sword of the law although i had never obtained the slightest evidence of the fact lady adeline was lolling in a low cane chair fatigued by her drive and longing aloud for tea and evadne was flitting about with her hat in her hand laughing and talking more than any of us she was wearing an art gown very becoming to her and suitable also for such sultry weather as mr hamilton wells remarked i suppose you are a strong supporter of the synthetic dress movement he said doubtless alluding to the graceful freedom of her delicate primrose draperies not at all she answered seating herself on the arm of a chair near lady adeline and opening her fan gently as she spoke i was inspired to ask for more tea just then mr hamilton wells poured it out and handed it to me you take milk he informed me but no sugar then he folded his hands and recommenced to return to the original point of departure he began which was modern dress if i remember rightly he smiled round upon us all knowing quite well that he remembered rightly that brings us by an obvious route to another question of the day i mean the position of women how do you regard their position at this latter end of the nineteenth century evadne 
i do not regard it at all if i can help it she answered incisively mr hamilton wells dropped his outspread hands upon his knees if i remember rightly he said you take no interest in politics either that is quite a phenomenon at this latter end of the nineteenth century i have my duties the duties of my social position you know she answered and my own little pursuits as well neither of which i can neglect for the affairs of the world but are they enough for you lady adeline ventured evadne glanced up to see what she meant and then smiled the wisdom of ages is brought to the training of each little girl she said and to fit her for our position she is taught that a woman's one object in life is to be agreeable you mean that a woman of decided opinions is not an agreeable person lady adeline asked decided opinions must always be offensive to those who don't hold them evadne rejoined a woman must know that the future welfare of her own sex and the progress of the world at large depends upon the action of women now and the success attending it angelica observed comprehensively yes but she knows also that her own comfort and convenience depend entirely on her neutrality evadne answered it is not high-minded to be neutral i know when it is put in that way but a woman who is so becomes exactly what the average man taken at his word would have her be and he is we are assured the proper person to legislate she looked at us all defiantly as she spoke and furled her fan and just at that moment colonel cahoon joined us he had come to fetch her and his entrance gave a new turn to the conversation it had been oppressively hot all day he observed yes lady adeline answered and i do so long for the mountains in weather like this oh do you said evadne are you subject to the magnet of the mountains i am not i do not want to feel the nothingness of man i like to believe in his greatness in his infinite possibilities i like to think of life as a level plain over which we can gallop to some goal i don't know what but something desirable and the actual landscape pleases me best so the great tumbled mountains make me melancholy they are always foreboding something untoward even at the best of times but the open spaces wind-swept and evident i love them i am at home on them i can breathe there i am free this was the natural woman at last in her aspirations unconsciously showing herself superior to the artificial creature she was trying to be i hate the melancholy mountains the ever-ready angelica burst forth i loathe the inconstant sea the breezy plain for a gallop it is there that one feels free colonel cahoon looked at evadne meditatively and slowly twisted each end of his heavy blond moustache i haven't seen you writing for some time now he said and it's a pity for you've a fine seat on a horse i was obliged to make up that night for the time lost in the afternoon and the dawn had broken when at last i put my work away i opened the study windows wider to salute it a lark was singing somewhere out of sight and the ripples of undecipherable sound struck some equally inarticulate chord of sense and fell full fraught with association the breeze murmurous amongst the branches set the leaves rustling like silk attire did i imagine it 
or was there really a faint sweet perfume of yellow gorse in the air a thrush on a bough below began to flute softly trying its tones before it burst forth giving full voice to its enthusiasm in one clear call eloquent of life and love and longing and all expressed in just three notes crotchet quaver crotchet and rest which shortly shaped themselves to a word in my heart a word of just three syllables the accent being on the penultimate e bad me e bad me good heavens i roused myself not a proper state of mind certainly for a man of my years and pursuits why how old was i thirty-five not so old in one way yet ten years older at least than stop sickly sentimentality life is real life is earnest and there must be no dreams of scented gorse of posing in daffodil draperies for me must take a holiday and rest take my agreeable ugliness off i was amused when the heavenly twins told me their mother talked of my agreeable ugliness but now did i like it no i was cynical when i said it take my agreeable ugliness off to the mountains turn thine eyes on to the mountains the magnet of the mountains yes i felt it i delighted to do so i was not morbid to the mountains to the cold which stays corruption the snows which are pure and the eternal silence by ten o'clock that night i was well on my way end of book six chapter ten